This week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast is dedicated to the life and memory of former WWWF heavyweight champion Pedro Morales, who passed away this past Tuesday at the age of 79. It's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Someone to cure my sorrow It's taking over me And I can't feel her breathe This hate is so contagious Sometimes I cannot take it Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. I want to thank you for joining me. I apologize for not being able to put out a show a couple days ago. I was a little bit under the weather and had zero voice and was not able to record in a better way that you deserve to hear this. So we're doing a show a little bit earlier this week as well to make up for what we missed a couple days ago and combine it into two basically two shows into one and we'll review what happened at brace for impact when impact wrestling and smash wrestling were here in london on february 2nd we'll look forward to what's going on with aew the press conference they had last week news on starcast and also look at this week in wde and review and preview this weekend's Elimination Chamber. I want to thank you for your loyal support. Check us out on Facebook and even email me at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and yeah, let this be your show as well. I love your information, whether you know something that's going on around Ontario from any other organization. I want to be able to spotlight them. Share this podcast with your friends. We're available on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google, and any other outlet that there is. I'll be right back after these short messages with a review of Brace for Impact and the Smash Wrestling Calendar. Coming April 26th to the 28th at the Ramada Inn, London, Ontario, it's Shockstock. Shockstock is London, Ontario's premier annual horror and subculture con- convention. Each year we bring, for a few short days, the real deal in sleaze, horror, and exploitation with celebrities, events, and vendors who know what the fans want. No insane lineups, no curfews, no problem. Enjoy jam-packed vendor rooms, a full weekend-long film festival with awards and fully stocked bar and lounge with nighttime events on-site and more. Submit your film via Film Freeway at filmfreeway.com shockstock. Presented by London's own Sultans of Slime, Vagrancy Films, The Grim Brothers Entertainment, in association with Fangora, Raven Banner, and of course, Bob's Ultimate Meats. (music) 
Tyson Dukes is currently one half of the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions and one of the pillars of wrestling in Ontario. He's had a very impressive career over the past two decades, and it's only natural that aspiring wrestlers would want to learn from a veteran of his caliber. Since October of 2017, Tyson opened up the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory here in London, Ontario. Students learned all aspects of wrestling. The first graduates like Jim Strider, Violet Lee, and Jordan James are making their names for themselves on the indie scene. Whether you're a student or a supporter, you can now be a part of the club and purchase your own beautiful zip-up hoodie. They're just $40 up to extra large and $45 for larger sizes. Contact Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory directly on Facebook to order yours today. You hear the rumble in here? The rumble is the sound of progression and fundamentals are being made at the Wrestling Factory. This is Tyson Dukes and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast, y'all. Welcome back to the show. This week, I'm going to look back at the February 2nd Smash Wrestling and Impact Wrestling's Brace for Impact. That Saturday night was definitely all right for fighting in London as Scott DeMore fulfilled his promise to bring Impact Wrestling to London in a joint show with Smash Wrestling. Brace for Impact was broadcast live on Twitch for everyone to see. The night started off with a six-person tag match featuring students from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. On one team had Chris Mitchells, Farrell Bowman, and the debut of Shiloh as they took on the team of Jim Strider, Alec Realm, and Violet Lee. Bowman and Mitchell didn't seem to have confidence in their new partner, Shiloh, so much so that Mitchell seemingly turned on Shiloh. Violet Lee and Shiloh then took the out Mitchell, showing him not to mess with the women. The match ended with a huge lariat from Strider to Mitchell's for the victory and their team. It was a really nice debut for Shiloh, as this was her first time in front of the audience, and I think they took well to her, especially when she teamed up with Violet Lee to take out Chris Mitchell's. And Jim Strider showed why he's a standout amongst all the students and has a bright future in singles action. The official Twitch special started off with the King of the North, Carter Mason, taking on Sebastian Swath. As Kingdom, Anthony Kingdom James, was about to address the crowd and the viewers at home, he was interrupted by the return of the remix, Kevin Bennett. Fans gave him a standing ovation as this was Bennett's first appearance in London since his car accident a few weeks ago. It didn't take long for Bennett to remind fans why he has won the Most Hated Wrestler of the Year award multiple times over the last couple years. Bennett inserted himself into the match, making it a three-way. It was a really good way to start off the show on Twitch with multiple near falls. Mason hit a sunset flip on Suave, who was in the process of giving Bennett a suplex at the same time. As Mason attempted to spring off the ropes, he got stopped by Kingdom. Unfortunately for Kingdom, he didn't notice that Bennett had snuck back into the ring and tossed Sebastian to the outside 
onto the floor and picked up the victory with his feet on the ropes. After the match, Kingdom said that he hoped that Bennett was happy with himself since he didn't even prepare for having Bennett in the match. Kingdom said that Sebastian Suave deserves the spotlight in Smash Wrestling and they issued a challenge for former Smash Wrestling champion Matt Cross to face Suave in the near future. This could happen next month as early as Kitchener or in Toronto. The next match was the Fatal 4-Way with Ali, Rosemary, Casey Spinelli, and Xander Bale. This was set to be a tag match originally with Demon Bunny taking on Balespin, but because of the issues that Ali and Rosemary currently have in the world of Impact, it was turned into this 4-Way match. Spinelli and Xander didn't really want to get involved with either of their opponents, nor did they want to fight each other when they were left in the ring by themselves. The ending came when Rosemary pinned Xander for the victory. After the match, fans chanted, Thank you, Xander, as this was her final wrestling match so she can focus on her career away from the wrestling ring. Xander took a bow with Spinelli at the top of the stage before leaving. Cody Deaner and Psycho Mike were up next, and the fans at ringside offered a number of beers to Cody as he made his way to the ring. Diener offered some to Mike, but was stopped by Mike's conscience as he spoke up, advising Mike not to drink the beer. Multiple times during the match, fans tried to offer Mike some beer, throwing him off from focusing the match. Diener had enough and put on his hat and turned it around as he hulked up. Mike t- tried to stop the momentum by turning the hat back to the front multiple times, but that didn't stop Diener. At one point, the conscience thought that there might be power in the hat, but it didn't work for Mike. Another voice spoke up and told Mike to drink the beer. Even the little bit that he had, Psycho Mike finally did end up drinking, but became intoxicated and he ended up blacking out. In the end, Psycho Mike ended up pulling out the victory over Diener, but he went up to the outside and got another beer for Cody as a goodwill offering. Diener drank some and then poured the rest into Mike's mouth, causing Mike to stumble again and fall out of the ring as they made their way back to the back. There was an unscheduled match up next featuring Mark Wheeler of Killscreen, and he was accompanied by other Killscreen members, Shane Saber and Anthony Gaines, to take on Tyson Duke's factory student, Kyle Boone, in his first singles match on Smash Television. Despite the nerves that he must have had, Kyle made a great showing for himself. Unfortunately, the numbers were just too much as Saber distracted the ref, and Gaines pushed Boone off the top rope, allowing Wheeler to pick up the victory. The heated rivalry between Halal Beefcake and the Pillars couldn't be solved during any given Sunday, so it came to London six days later as they put on a tables match. The ending of any given Sunday 7 saw Tyson Dukes attempt to put Cousin Vinny through a table three times, yet the table just kept on bowing. In this case, it was all four men in sort of a Texas Tornado-style match where both members of each team 
had to go through a table to be able to claim victory. The match started off as a fierce brawl. Tables were stubborn and refused to break, just like at any given Sunday. Almost fitting, since it was Groundhog Day and it was like history repeating itself multiple times. The pillars were finally able to put Idris Abraham through the table on the floor. Banks had difficulties putting Joe Coleman through a table in the ring. But finally, Dukes was able to put Coleman through a table. Unfortunately, the referee was knocked out. The pillars had taken both members of Halal Beefcake out in two straight table breaks, but since the ref was not able to see Coleman be put through a table, it was waved off and not counted. So then the tables match had to continue, as Dukes was about to show the ref again, putting Coleman through another table. It was reversed, and Dukes went through the table. The fight continued on the floor, and a fourth table was introduced out near the entrance. As the pillars were set to eliminate Coleman, Kevin Bennett came out to distract Dukes. The distraction was enough to allow Halal Beefcake to recover and send Brent Banks crashing down through the table, eliminating him from the match, and Halal Beefcake was then announced as the winners and new tag team champions in Smash Wrestling. They made the th- them the third champions in Smash Wrestling history. From the Impact side of things, OVE took on the Rascals. This match was your typical tag team match with regular tags happening on both sides. Eventually, OVE took advantage of the match. The Rascals snuck out a victory in the end for their team. The Smash Wrestling Championship was on the line as Tarek faced off against the leader of Killscreen in Scotty O'Shea. O'Shea was accompanied by other members of Killscreen, including Wheeler, Saber, and Gaines. The match went inside and outside of the ring, and Tarek was able to hold off the interference of members of Killscreen. Tarek was even able to hit O'Shea with a coast-to-coast, and the finish came with Tarek rolling up O'Shea in a small package. After the match ended, Tarek was immediately attacked by Killscreen, and the rest of the pillars rushed out to the ring to make the save. Killscreen scurried to the top of the stage as Suave checked on Tarek. Tyson Dukes got the microphone and challenged Killscreen to face the pillars in an eight-man tag the next time Smash comes to London on March 31st. And finally, the main event saw Impact Wrestling Champion Johnny Impact put his title on the line against Sammy Callahan. The match was hard-hitting and high-flying. At one point, Callahan took a napkin from Trevor and blew his nose in it and threw it back at him as both him and Gordon scurried to get away from not being hit with the loaded Kleenex. Then, the battle came towards the back stage area where I was uh, watching the show from with Chris Maloney. After a moonsault off the stage by Impact on Callahan, Impact took one of my signs and used it to hit Sammy with. Callahan then took my other sign and used it to give Impact paper cuts. The match made its way back to the ring, 
where Impact landed Starship Pain for the victory to retain his Impact Wrestling Championship. This was a great show to see live. The action was amazing, and listening to the commentary the next day helped accent the already great show. Josh Matthews seemed to have taken really good notes about the Smash Wrestling talent as to not seem out of place. I'd like to congratulate the entire crew of Smash Wrestling under the direction of Alan Taylor, including spectacular work from Scott Hunter, Chrissy Bowman, and April. With any luck, they all learned something valuable from this first time out doing a live event for broadcast, and they'll have the courage and confidence to do it again in the near future and beyond. So not only will we have some live specials that could be sort of how a pay-per-view would be, but we'll also get the regular events, which will be filmed for the Fight Network. So there's a new outlet for Smash Wrestling to consider for its fans and reaching out further beyond what they've already done with the great expansion over the last while. 2019 could be a great year for expanding. Do you like things a little hot and spicy? Well, come to the first annual Heat Wave Hot Sauce Expo, March 2nd, 2019, at Centennial Hall. Heat Wave Hot Sauce Expo is Southwestern Ontario's home of heat. Enjoy your sauce and spicy food from over 40 international producers. All vendors are providing free samples of their sauces on nachos or pretzels, or you can buy some meaty chicken wings at the show and spice them up however you'd like with hundreds of choices available from our vendors. Fans attending get a totally unique experience with an 80s theme motif and atmosphere on the show floor. The event will be licensed with craft beers and spirits available for consumption to pair with your perfect sauce. As well, live podcasts, demonstrations, and competitions for those who wish to test their limits will take place on the heatwave stage. For fans of spice or those just seeking an afternoon of heat, Heatwave is your place to go. Heatwave takes place Saturday, March 2nd at Centennial Hall in London, Ontario, Canada. Tickets available right now. And now for your Smash Wrestling calendar. Smash Wrestling returns to Kitchener at the Taste of the Tannery for a Spirit Within on March 9th. The Pillars, Tyson Dukes, and Brent Banks will face off against Kill Screen members Anthony Gaines and Mark Wheeler. Sebastian Suave, Scotty O'Shea, and PWA's Joey Allen will face off in a triple threat match. Psycho Mike Rollins will get his match against Kevin Bennett, which was scheduled for the last time that they were in Kitchener, but did not happen due to the car accident. The new tag team champions, Halal Beefcake, will also be in action, plus the in-ring debut of Nova. She's one of the recent graduates from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, and she'll be taking on Jody Threat. The originally scheduled March 23rd Mariposa Mayhem, presented by Smash Wrestling and Barry Wrestling, has now been moved to April 20th due to issues with the original venue.
On March 24th, Smash Wrestling returns to the Phoenix in Toronto for Tell All Your Friends. Brian Cage takes on Speedball Mike Bailey. Lufisto versus Jordan Grace. Brent Banks challenges Tarek for the Smash Wrestling Championship. There'll be a triple threat tag team match featuring the Renegades, TDT, and Killscreen members Scotty O'Shea and Anthony Gaines. Plus, Jay Freddy has been invited back to Smash Wrestling after his performance at Any Given Sunday in replacement of Daniel Garcia in his match against Sebastian Suave, and this time he'll take on another pillar in Tyson Dukes. Then, on March 31st, Smash Wrestling returns to the London Music Hall here in London, Ontario for Louder Now. The Renegades take on TDT, Mike Rollins faces Speedball, Mike Bailey, and the Pillars take on Killscreen in a four-way match. Tickets and more information for all these events can be obtained by going to the Smash Wrestling website at smash-wrestling.com. And you can find out more information by checking out their Facebook page and also tuning in to Smash on the Fight Network. The Signature Spot with Chris Toplack is a weekly podcast available every Thursday that covers the world of professional wrestling. It's an easy-to-digest show that ranges from 30 to 40 minutes in length and focuses on show recaps, highlights from the week, industry news and rumors, full event previews along with predictions, topics of the week, and featured guests such as journalists and fellow podcasters. It's a professional yet personable show that's all about connecting with you. To subscribe, head over to youtube.com forward slash the signature spot or listen on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are available. And to be a part of the conversation, like the signature spot on Facebook. This year, all elite wrestling update. On Thursday, February 7th, AEW held their Double or Nothing ticket announcement pool party outside the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. This was to announce the tickets would go on sale and introduce talent that was signed up to the new company. Fans were encouraged to sign up at the AEW website, which ended up crashing, and over 12,000 people signed up to get a passcode that was good on Monday to buy their tickets in advance. The press conference and rally was hosted by Alex Marvez and Conrad Thompson with MJF confronting Conrad Thompson in the pre-show on the YouTube before the main press conference started. They announced the additions of Sonny Kiss, Sammy Guevara, Chucky e. T, Trent Beretta, Aja Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, Nyla Rose, Kylie Ray, plus SoCal Uncensored challenged members of OWE to a six-man tag team match at Double or Nothing. Nyla Rose confronted Kyla Ray, which is bound to be a women's match happening during Double or Nothing. Plus, Hangman Page and Pac was also made official after a video was shown from Pac while Page was on stage. The Young Bucks were interrupted by the Lucha Brothers, who then laid them out. With that confrontation, look for the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks to happen at Double or Nothing and could end up being the main event of the whole event since 
the Young Bucks are boasting about how they want to make tag team wrestling important again and even be able to main event an event such as Double or Nothing. So this could be your main match of the night. The press conference ended with Kenny Omega making his way to the stage and he was announced as the executive vice president for AEW. He announced that he had signed a contract with AEW and but he was interrupted by Chris Jericho. The two were nose to nose and had to be separated and this could be a major match also at Double or Nothing. Overall, the press conference might have run a little bit long, especially for something of this caliber, but it looked a lot better than what it did for the original presentation outside of the stadium in Jacksonville. There's the aura that was there also kind of made it almost like an old-school WCW feel, where WCW used to have their events during spring break around pool and present that way there was a little bit lacking of fans but for what it is and the company is growing they still are making a good splash and everybody's talking about AEW and one can only hope that they present the same sort of quality that they did with All In this past September and we get an alternative to WWE not necessarily competition as I've said a few times already on this podcast in other AEW news, All Elite Wrestling announced that they had signed Jimmy Havoc to an AEW contract. His deal apparently is going to be non-exclusive and he can take other bookings beyond AEW. AEW is also looking to make offers to WWE stars. One that they've reportedly sent feelers out to was Randy Orton. For myself, I'd be okay if Orton did end up leaving WWE because he's just really gotten boring and he needs a way of evolving and going over to somebody like AEW would probably benefit him a lot since he's from an era that didn't have a WCW to go to. And if you look at the evolution that Chris Jericho has had, hey, I'd be okay with Randy Orton trying to do the same thing. Just AEW doesn't need to load up on former WWE stars like TNA did, or even how WCW did. It's not a formula for success. It was made official on this week's edition of Being the Elite that Alpha vs. Omega, Jericho vs. Kenny Omega, too, will happen at Double or Nothing on May 25th. Kenny Omega had also had a conversation with Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer about his uh, AEW deal. He only officially signed on the Thursday of the press conference, and it's a four-year deal, which will be about 39 years when it ends, so there's still time if he does choose to go to WWE, he still has time since AJ Styles is killing it, and he's at that age right now. So WWE isn't shy from hiring people in their 40s, and if they still have an interest in Omega and... Kenny doesn't want to have a I've never worked for WWE uh, moniker to him and wants to see what it was like. He still has that opportunity. 
This deal with AEW also still gives him the freedom to work for New Japan for dates, maybe not as often as he had been over the last couple of years, but he can still work for New Japan. He also gave compliments to WWE for the way they dealt with him and the contract that they offered and everything. However, he doesn't want to just be on autopilot and everything written for him and presented the way WWE does. He wants to be able to take risks and present himself also to a newer audience that might only know him as something from New Japan. But now with AEW, he can be North American-based again and take risks. And that's what AEW seems to be doing, is willing to take risks that WWE currently are not doing, at least on the main roster. They're doing a little more on NXT with Triple H. But with Vince McMahon in charge, that's not happening for people that want to be creative. On Monday, WrestleTalk uh, out of the UK stated that All Elite Wrestling will have a busy 2019 as the company prepares to present live events. Double or Nothing is set for May 25th at the Las Vegas MGM Grand, and that's going to hold maybe about 12,000 people. Uh, They're looking uh, to present four other events after Double or Nothing, and as they get closer to having a TV deal, which is expected to launch in October. So Double or Nothing is going to happen in May, In June, there's an unannounced uh, show that's being formed right now. In July, there's going to be a charity event in Jacksonville, Florida, with proceeds going to anti-gun crime charities. August, we'll see AEW in the UK at the Royal Albert Hall in England. And then September will be all out, and they're going to return to Chicago as a one-year anniversary from the big all-in event. Whether they return to the Sears Center or not, considering how fast they're selling tickets lately, and Matt Jackson had made comment about the fact that they might have to look at bigger buildings than just your eleven to 12,000-seat uh, arenas, especially with how well things are going without even really presenting anything beyond all-in. The Sears Center might not be the place to go. And also then, AEW is expected to start weekly TV in October on Tuesday nights when WWE moves SmackDown to Fox on Friday nights. That was the one thing that was actually kind of missing from the press conference that happened on Thursday, is that no matter what they did about telling about tickets going on sale for Double or Nothing and how press passcodes can be found for doing that, and also presenting new talent. They didn't announce any TV deals yet, even though they're, I guess, torn between two offers that they have, but they haven't revealed anything of that yet, and nothing's been finalized. But I guess if they're going to wait till October to do that, they got some time, and maybe even... As early as Double or Nothing, they'll announce a TV deal and go forward with that. And finally, in AEW news, Chris Jericho announced that the second Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea will take place on January 20th to the 24th, 2020. 
It's going to set sail from Miami and head to the Bahamas and will feature AEW, unlike how the first one had Ring of Honor and Impact Wrestling. This one will just be AEW unless something else changes, but we have almost a year until the next Chris Jericho Rock and Rager. Following the news that the former hottest free agent in pro wrestling, Kenny Omega, is joining AEW, London Comic Con can finally announce that the best belt machine is making his way to Southwest Ontario for London Comic Con 2019 this October. Omega will be available to meet fans, sign autographs, and host a special VIP video game tournament. More details and announcements are coming soon. Check out London Comic Con for more details. Conrad Thompson has been keeping himself very busy. Not only is he the son-in-law to the nature boy Ric Flair after marrying Megan, he's the host of 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, something to wrestle with with Bruce Pritchard, What Happened When with Tony Schiavone, an upcoming ECW podcast with Joel Gertner, but he's also putting together StarCast 2. StarCast 1 was very successful this past September in Chicago as part of All In and was broadcast on the Fight uh, TV app. It's going to happen again on Fight, but this time piggybacking with Double or Nothing from AEW and in Las Vegas from May 23rd to the 26th, StarCast 2 is happening. Of course, some of the obvious choices for panels are going to happen with Eric Bischoff, Tony Schiavone, Bruce Pritchard, Sean Mooney, and Jim Ross. But there's also going to be a Brian Pillman panel tributing to his life, Brett the Hitman Hart, Sting, plus the Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes, Terry Funk, The Godfather, RVD, Scott Hall, J.J. Dillon, Barry Windham, Tully Blanchard, Shane Helms, Jerry the King Lawler, Magnum T.A., Kevin Nash, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Tommy Dreamer, Lita, Jimmy Havoc, Conan, Sean Waltman, Jerry Lynn, David Arquette, Cole Cabana, Bill Apter, SCU, and many, many more to be announced, with one exception, because Maxwell Jacob Freeman has been banned from attending StarCast 2. StarCast 2 is going to be broadcast on the Fight TV app, and you can look forward to seeing deals for that. Bracelets and tickets for the event also go on sale Tuesday, February 12th, and will be available for anybody that's also attending Double or Nothing. If StarCast 1 was any indication of what to expect, StarCast 2 is definitely not something you're going to miss. Hey, I'm Alec Realm, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Hello. Do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how... We can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout out, including 
information on how people can reach out to you, and information on your services. In other wrestling news, Ring of Honor has announced dates for their War of the Worlds tour alongside New Japan Pro Wrestling. In May 8th, Buffalo, New York. May 9th, Toronto, Ontario. May 11th, Grand Rapids, Michigan. May 12th, Villa Park, Illinois. Tickets go on sale February 15th. Ring of Honor has just recently signed the former Justin Gabriel, the Darewolf, PJ Black, to a Ring of Honor contract. The new leader of the Bullet Club, Jay White, won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship from Tanahashi in his first title defense at New Beginnings on Monday. Kota Ibushi also announced that he was staying with New Japan, even though the door is open at AEW for him to go over there. Hi, I'm the Fireball Kid, Jordan James, and this is the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. And now, for your WWE News and Update. During the Royal Rumble weekend, WWE held the World's Collide Tournament, featuring five members from NXT, five from NXT UK, and five from 205 Live. They would compete in a tournament to be awarded a title shot of their choosing. Recently, WWE showed that on YouTube in the first couple rounds and finished it off on the WWE Network on Saturday evening. It was a very good card, which I would definitely go back and look at some of the great matches that happened. The following are the results of that card. Jordan Devlin won the 15-man battle royal to go get himself a bye into the first round of the tournament. The first round saw Drew Gulak beat Mark Andrews, Dominic Dijakovic, defeat TJP, Tyler Bate, got a victory over Cedric Alexander, Adam Cole beat Shane Thorne, Keith Lee got a victory over Travis Banks, Velveteen Dream beat Tony Nice, and Humberto Carrillo beat Zach Gibson. Round 2 saw Jordan Devlin take on and defeat Drew Gulak. Velveteen Dream got a victory over Humberto Carrillo. Adam Cole beat Keith Lee. And Tyler Bate got a victory over Dominic Dijakovic. In round three, the semifinals, Velveteen Dream beat Jordan Devlin, and Tyler Bate got a victory over Adam Cole, setting up the finals in the fourth round of Velveteen Dream defeating Tyler Bate. And Velveteen Dream was awarded a title shot of his choosing on NXT. Overall, the event was a really good thing to see and excellent to have something happen during an event like Access, especially for some guys who weren't going to make it into the Royal Rumble and it still gave them a spotlight. I'd go back and see a lot of the Tyler Bate matches, especially against Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream. Plus then, the Jordan Devlin and Drew Gulak match were really good as well. So take the time to look at these if you haven't, because this is the upcoming generation that are going to be taking over what Raw and SmackDown have, and especially if Triple H has control over them when they finally come up, 
they're going to be used well. Until then, don't miss out on watching NXT 205 Live and NXT UK because it's purely great wrestling for one hour every week on the WWE Network. The Fox Network stated that the new fall schedule will have SmackDown as a short-term Friday night uh, placement, so one can only wonder what that is going to mean, since they want to have SmackDown as a sports-based presentation over the entertainment value that Raw is definitely known for and will be on the USA Network. So I don't know if that's just a temporary thing that they're saying. If they don't succeed there, they're going to get moved around a bit and juggled or totally canceled, even though they have a big five-year deal. And Fox also said that they're going to have more WD programming on their network, such as uh, FS1. Tucker Knight and Otis Dojovic of Heavy Machinery will now simply be known as Tucker and Otis. So two more guys in the line of Arusev, Cesaro, Sheamus, Big E, Andrade, all dropping their longer names just for a simple one-name talent. You've probably noticed that Seth Rollins hasn't been really active lately. He's nursing a knee injury, and they're hoping to keep him less active and out of the ring as much as possible to heal up. They're hoping that it's going to take about a month. And as seen recently, he hadn't shown up for Raw. And then this week, he ended up being on Raw just doing a in-ring talking segment. So they're doing their best to not have him get physical and have time to heal up so that he can go against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 35. And one would hope, take that title off Brock and move forward with a title on TV weekly. PW Insider is reporting that the original Hart Foundation of Bret Hart, Jim Neinhart, and Jimmy Hart will be inducted into this year's WD Hall of Fame. This will mark a second induction for Bret and for Jimmy, and a first induction for Jim the Anvil, who ended up passing away last summer. In a couple weeks, Raw will be celebrating Ric Flair's 70th birthday, so one can only assume that they're going to bring back some older talent, maybe including former horsemen and evolution people like Batista, potentially, since they're in talks with him, along with AEW, in talks with Batista. But if they can end up bringing him in and a bunch of other people to help celebrate Ric Flair's birthday, that's going to happen in a few weeks after Elimination Chamber, which could set up more for WrestleMania and, of course, for Fastlane. It was recently announced during a event update by Scott Stanford that on the week after WrestleMania, on April 15th and 16th, Raw and SmackDown will be in Montreal, and that's going to be the site of an international WD superstar shakeup. So we can look forward to the rosters being switched around during their visit to Montreal on April 15th and 16th. And this will have a lot of repercussions for the upcoming fall season, I would assume, unless they have another shakeup just before in October. But it'll set the rosters for what to expect when Raw remains on USA Network and SmackDown moves back to Friday nights and over to Fox 
where, as stated before, Fox is looking for a more sports-oriented presentation. So I would expect some more of the mat-based wrestlers to be sent over that way and the more character-driven superstars to be sent over to Raw. During the Super Bowl, WWE presented a special halftime heat, which they hadn't done in almost 20 years. And in this case, they presented it at the WWE Performance Center, which was all set up like how the hall is at Full Sail when they tape NXT. So they had audience there, and they presented a six-man tag team match that was set up after the NXT TakeOver Phoenix when Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole, and Johnny Gargano got into a fight with Velveteen Dream, Ricochet, and Aleister Black. So this made it into a six-man tag team match during halftime heat. The match saw the team of Ricochet, Aleister Black, and Velveteen Dream defeat the team of Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, and Tommaso Ciampa. It was a great 20 minutes of action, more like 16 after the introductions and everything, but that whole segment was really great to see and was a really good relief from having to watch a halftime show of a very boring Super Bowl, which saw the New England Patriots get victory again. And it's something that WWE could do on a more regular basis since they had the network. Uh, the match was very high-flying and totally energetic throughout the whole Bell to Bell time, and Velveteen Dream picked up the victory. Also this week, WD posted a story about the latest members to join the WD Performance Center, and some of those included Trevor Lee, ACH, and Rachel Ellering. I'll be back in just a moment with highlights from this week's Raw and SmackDown, plus predictions for the Elimination Chamber happening this weekend. Are you looking for your own Scumbags Wrestling t-shirt so you can show off your Scumbags pride at your next local independent wrestling event? Well, I got the answer for you. You can go check out my friend Daryl over at Twisted Tees. He produces high-quality t-shirts with the most amazing up-to-date technology for printing shirts. And for just $25, you can get your own shirt. Whether it's a parody logo of Superstars of Wrestling... Raw's War, the Survivor Series, a design inspired by Brock Lesnar's Suplex City, or the All In event, you can go check out Daryl and get your own shirt. You can be found at twistedteesmerch.com. Show your pride today, order a t shirt, and stand out above the crowd. You don't want to miss out on Kenny Omega coming to London Comic Con 2019 this October. Especially this Saturday, you can purchase your photo ops as they go on sale and be one of the elite. This is guaranteed to sell out. 
Please note that this is not part of the VIP packages that will be released later. Those VIP packages can get you into a video game tournament with Kenny Omega. But right now, this Saturday, you can get your tickets to get the photo ops with the cleaner, Kenny Omega. London Comic Con 2019, this October, at the London Convention Center. For more information, check out London Comic Con. This week's Raw saw a show-long storyline involving Stephanie McMahon and Triple H apologizing to Becky Lynch and offering to lift the suspension and give her the main event against Ronda Rousey only if she would apologize for her actions towards them the past week when she punched Stephanie and slapped Triple H. Ronda didn't trust the McMahons and was going to refuse to give an apology, but Triple H and Stephanie gave her the whole show to think about it, which then she was approached by various superstars, convincing her to do so and not to do so, and we'd find out the answer at the end of the show. We saw a three-way tag team match with the Boston Hug connection of Sasha Banks and Bailey taking on the team of Tamina and Nia Jax and Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan with the losing team automatically having to start the Elimination Chamber for the women's tag team titles this Sunday. Unfortunately, they didn't play it smart and Sasha got taken out of the match and Bailey had to go it alone and she ended up losing for her team, and that means Sasha and Bailey will start the Elimination Chamber on Sunday. The Revival finally won the tag team titles from Chad Gable and Bobby Roode after her fourth attempt. Finn Balor found himself in a six-man tag team match along with Kurt Angle and Braun Strowman taking on Bobby Lashley, Baron Corbin, and Drew McIntyre. Leo Rush got involved a bunch of times. Finn's foot even got on the rope when the referee counted a three, but it got restarted. And Finn Balor was able to pick up the victory over Bobby Lashley on his way towards an intercontinental title shot at Elimination Chamber. Seth Rollins and Paul Heyman had a face-to-face discussion in the ring about the WrestleMania match against Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. Seth was very positive in his presentation and came across as an unstoppable babyface trying to face off against an unstoppable heel. So even though Seth hasn't been wrestling lately, he still was able to cut a promo, and it was a really good one leading up towards WrestleMania. In the ending of the show, Becky Lynch finally came out to talk again to Triple H and Stephanie, She struggled with it, but finally did apologize, and it seemed like there was no strings attached, which totally surprised Becky Lynch. Triple H and Stephanie congratulated her, said that they're looking forward to her match against Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania, and as they went to leave, Becky started to cut a promo on Ronda. Ronda then came out to hear this face-to-face and even confront Becky, but before things could get any further... Vince McMahon came out and decided that he wasn't going to accept Becky Lynch's apology and decided that she's suspended for 60 days, which actually takes in WrestleMania and five days beyond that. And so 
instead of having Becky Lynch against Ronda Rousey, Vince McMahon announced that Charlotte Flair would be the replacement. And now the current match is Charlotte versus Ronda for the women's Raw title at WrestleMania. Of course, we all know somehow Becky's going to get in there and we'll end up seeing a three-way match for the title, which will most likely be the main event of WrestleMania 35 on April 7th. Over on SmackDown, it started off with the announcement from the night before with Charlotte replacing Becky, and Charlotte came out to a ton of heat from the audience and said that she was going to dedicate the match to Becky, uh, but this is the match that everybody wanted not to see Becky against Ronda, but actually herself against Ronda for the title. And it generated a lot of disgust from the audience, where it looks like Charlotte has finally found her niche again as the daughter of the dirtiest player in the game. And, you know, ideally a flair should be a heel, not a face. It was announced that, unfortunately, Mustafa Ali, due to multiple injuries, was not going to be in the Elimination Chamber, and that a member of the New Day would take his place, but we wouldn't know who that was until the gauntlet match, which would determine the last person to enter the chamber on Sunday. There was the first ever Miz TV segment with Shane McMahon and Miz hosting Miz TV, and they brought out the Usos, and they tried to compare how great each tag team was, and the Usos were like, hey, you know, you're not a great tag team like they are because they know the whole brothers thing and the tag team thing where they know each other inside the ring and outside the ring and even compared what their favorite colors were, favorite food, favorite teams were. When Shane and Miz attempted to do it, Miz was feeding Shane all the answers and got a big pop for the Toledo Mudheads since they were in Toledo, Ohio for SmackDown. The segment ended with the Usos kicking Miz and Shane in the face with super kicks before it was finished. Strangely enough, with over an hour left in the show, Daniel Bryan and Rowan came out to start the gauntlet match. So it was like, oh, what's going to happen here? Is there more going to happen? Or was the rest of the show going to be the gauntlet? And it turned out it was going to be the entire final hour of the show being the gauntlet match. And the New Day then came out and they teased who was going to be in it. Big E almost took off his robe to get in there, but then put it back on. Xavier almost hopped in after handing off his trombone. But finally, it was Kofi Kingston who did take the actual spot and will be in the Elimination Chamber on Sunday. And so he took on Dan O'Brien, and for over 20 minutes, they went at it. The New Day uh, members ended up getting kicked out. Rowan ended up finally getting kicked out, and Kofi ended up hitting Trouble in Paradise on Dan O'Brien, scoring a victory over the WWE Champion and sending him out of the match and moving on to the next one, which was against Jeff Hardy. Kofi was able to outlast Jeff Hardy and face then Samoa Joe. And Samoa Joe and him went back and forth. There was a little bit of rest holds, considering by this time Kofi had been in the match well over 35 minutes. And 
Joe hit the coquina clutch on Kofi, but he did the whole Bret Hart thing that he's Bret's done a couple times against Piper and Stone Cold in the past and flipped over and actually pinned Samoa Joe to send him on his way, which then Joe didn't obviously like that and attacked Kofi some more, and he got rescued by AJ Styles, who was the next person out, and by the time they got back from commercial, they were both back in the ring. AJ was just like, no, dude, you don't have to do this, but Kofi's pride got in the way and was just like, no, I want it. He fired up. They went back and forth for a while. Uh, they worked over Kofi's knee a bit, and... Unfortunately, after just an hour in the match, Kofi Kingston submitted to the calf crusher. And there wasn't really much time left in the show. We had a close-up of AJ Styles, and it was almost telegraphed that immediately Randy Orton was coming through the crowd, and he hit AJ Styles with a RKO and quickly pinned him with just like 30 seconds left in the TV show before it went off the air. So now Randy Orton will be the last man to enter the Elimination Chamber, which actually I need to go back a slight bit. I forgot to mention the fact that the women on SmackDown had their uh, match. And just like on Raw, it was a three-way tag team uh, match between, in this case, the Iconics, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville and the team of Fabulous Glow and that being Naomi and Carmilla. And once again, it was the rules that whoever lost the match was going to be starting the Elimination Chamber with Sasha and Bailey. In this case, the Iconics were super smart and avoided any tag into the match and it was a basic tag team match where even Randy Rose and Sonya Deville tried to avoid being eliminated, but they ended up losing, and they will start off the Elimination Chamber this Sunday. Which that actually brings us to the Elimination Chamber, which will happen this Sunday on the WWE Network. So here's my rundown of what's going to happen Hopefully there'll be a couple more matches announced, but currently as it stands, there's, I believe, seven matches, and one of them's going to be on the pre-show, which is the uh, Cruiserweight Championship match of Buddy Murphy defending against Akira Tozawa. I think that Buddy Murphy is going to retain. He's still got uh, some momentum with him, and Tozawa already had the title. And whoever takes the title off of Buddy Murphy is actually going to be a surprise person. Or even somebody like Umberto Carrillo. The main show of the Elimination Chamber currently, as it stands, has a lot of Raw matches. Unless something happens during the week that we hear a couple of editions of SmackDown. This is how it stands. And we have Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush taking on Finn Balor in a handicap match. For the Intercontinental title. I think that in this case. We could see Finn Balor win. But he's going to end up taking and beating Leo Rush for this. Which would set up a rematch 
at Fastlane one-on-one with Bobby against Finn. So I'm going to go with Finn Balor actually picking up the Intercontinental title at the Elimination Chamber this Sunday. Then we have Braun Strowman against Baron Corbin. And I guess as much as people don't really want to see it, because how many times do these guys have to be booked with each other? But we really didn't actually see it at TLC either in December. So this will actually be their match from December since Braun is now healthy from his elbow surgery. And this better be a squash match, a really quick one. Maybe even Drew McIntyre interfering. So if it's not a squash and Braun Strowman doesn't beat Baron Corbin quickly, I expect to see Drew McIntyre interfere. And this could set up the eventual Braun and Drew match, which could end up being at WrestleMania. So I'm going to say, sadly, Baron Corbin's going to win thanks to interference from Drew McIntyre. The SmackDown Tag Team titles will be on the line as Shane McMahon and The Miz defend the titles against the Usos, who had won a four-way match the last week to become the number one contenders. For whatever reason, I don't think it's yet time to even put the belts back on the Usos, even though they are one of the best tag teams in WD right now. But I think they need to build some more up between Shane and Miz before the inevitable dropping of the titles, maybe even at Fastlane, and setting up Miz versus Shane at WrestleMania. So I'm going to go with Miz and Shane retaining the tag team titles. Ronda Rousey will be taking on Ruby Riot for the Raw Women's Championship. With everything that's been going on with the whole Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair, and basically they've telegraphed the fact that Ronda Rousey is going to be in the main event of WrestleMania 35 defending the Raw Women's Championship. I don't know how they can make us believe that Ruby has any chance of doing any damage to Ronda at Elimination Chamber. They would have been better served to have made some sort of tag team match or whatever involving Ronda that didn't have the title online because this is just a match that's clearly going to be a squash of Ruby. I hope they put on a good match, but we already know that Ronda's going to win. So no surprise here. I'm picking Ronda Rousey to win and retain her Raw Women's title. Moving on to the Elimination Chambers, though, the one Elimination Chamber is going to be an all-women's tag team one, and it'll determine the first ever, or revived, WWE tag team titles for the women's division. And this belt is going to go back and forth between both brands, so it won't matter who actually wins it. They'll be traveling between all the shows. And in this case, Nia Jax and Tamina will be in the match along with Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan, Naomi and Carmella, the Iconics, and due to their losses on Raw and SmackDown, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville will start off the match against Sasha Banks and Bailey. The obvious choice would be to see Sasha and Bailey run through the whole match and captured the tag team titles since they were the ones that were sort of hinting at them being developed 
and bringing into WWE and sort of spearheaded the need for the tag team titles to be revived. However, at the same time, a team like the Iconics, who are sort of utility players but haven't had a big push, this could be their opportunity. And then you got the powerhouse team of Naya and Tamina, which wouldn't be a surprise to see them win, uh, just bullying and overpowering them since they boasted that they were bigger than all five other teams combined, which that would make them really huge considering the size of the other 10 women that are going to be in the match. My pick for this is solely based on the fact that one of our Fantasy Warfare uh, votes this week on the Facebook page did see the Boston Hug connection against the Team Besties, which could happen at WrestleMania, and that would put Sasha Banks and Bailey against Lita and Trish, which would be a huge attraction for WrestleMania and a possibility. So if that sort of dream fantasy warfare idea is going to happen, you need to have Sasha and Bailey win the titles and then obviously defend them at Fastlane and move to WrestleMania. So I am going to go with Sasha and Bailey. Won't be surprised if this is a wrong pick, but being labeled underdogs in a way by having to start off the match kind of is like a red herring to throw people off. So I don't know. I'm going Boston Hug Connection. Then the other Elimination Chamber is going to be for the WWE Championship as Daniel Bryan has been forced to defend the title against five other contenders, and that being AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, Samoa Joe, Randy Orton, and now Kofi Kingston, who is in place of Mustafa Ali due to injury. And as seen on Tuesday at the end of SmackDown, Randy Orton will now enter the Elimination Chamber last. It worked for Daniel Bryan before, but I don't think it's going to happen for Randy Orton this time. And I do see Daniel Bryan retaining the WWE Championship somehow. Maybe even Rowan gets involved and sneaks in there uh, when somebody gets eliminated and starts beating up on people just to help Bryan. But I do see Daniel Bryan retaining the title. And that there is the week in review plus my picks and preview of the Elimination Chamber event that will happen this Sunday on the WWE Network with a pre-show one hour before, I believe, starting at 6 o'clock with the main show starting at 7. This is Jim Strider live from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Canada's original and best horror weekend, Shockstock, the all-nighter freighter, comes to London Ramada in April 26th to the 28th. Already announced for the event is Sleazy P. Martini of Guar, and he's coming to Shockstock 2019. So you want to meet the manager with the mostest? You're going to get your wish. The Art of Clown, David Howard Thorne, makes his way to Shockstock. 
Don't you dare miss it. April 26th to the 28th, 2019, London, Ontario, the Ramada Inn. It's Shockstock. I'd like to thank you for joining me for this week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. It's an early one for the regular week, usually on a Saturday or Sunday, but it's also making up for last weekend where I wasn't able to do it. So thank you for your support. Go check us out on Facebook, whether it's on our group page or on our fan page. Go catch us on Twitter and email me at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. If you have any results or any suggestions that you'd like to have included in the show, this is yours as well. I want you to be involved and make this bigger and better. We're reaching out to hopefully get results from the other independent wrestling organizations throughout Ontario and shine a light on them as well. Be sure to share this with your friends and they can listen to us on any podcast outlet that they have, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Next week, we'll be back with more news from AEW, WWE, Ring of Honor, Smash, you name it, we'll try and provide it and have results from this weekend's Elimination Chamber. So until next time, thank you for joining me, and I'm out of here. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. I can't.